I'm kind of torn right now, to tell you the truth. Uh, the uh, choir and singing that uh, song they just did, uh, they've delivered the message this morning. All of you didn't hear that, did you? One of the men on the back row of the choir said, see you later. (laughs) Choir, thank you. Musicians, thank you. I love our own percussions system over here, ladies. Thank you very much. Let me ask you, if you will, take your Bible right now, or a pew Bible, if you didn't happen to get yours on your way out of the house this morning. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation. I'm not going to get there immediately, but I will get there, and we will spend uh, a fair amount of time uh, with some verses there. Uh, I will go back for a few verses out of Matthew's Gospel, and just uh, we'll see about time as to whether or not I ask you to turn there with me on those. But I do want you to see the things that we look at from the book of Revelation. Um, I mention this because... uh, Wake Chapel Church has a history uh, of opening the Bible in the worship service, reading the Bible, declaring what comes from the pages of the Word of God. We do the same thing in our Sunday school. Uh, We teach the Bible here at Wake Chapel, and we do so unapologetically. So if uh, you wonder why we make mention of the Word of God from time to time, Uh, we are using and we're looking at several different passages rather than just taking one passage and working our way through it, which is our normal customary procedure here at Wake Chapel. So if you'll just hang on with your Bible open to the book of Revelation, we will get there shortly. Pray with me, please. Our Father, we commend our time to you. We are your people. You have given to us your word. And you have given to us the one infallible teacher, that is God the Holy Spirit. And I pray in these moments that we have together this morning with your word open before us, I pray and earnestly ask that the Spirit of God would be our teacher. And we'll give you the honor and the glory for everything that is accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I heard Dr. McGee tell a story uh, just using it as an illustration, about an old tombstone that he had seen, very old tombstone. And the thing that caught his attention about it was the epitaph that was written on that tombstone. It went like this. Pause, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. And then the last line was, so prepare for death and follow me. Well, someone, some passerby unknown, uh, sometime later, uh, stopped and read that epitaph. And he had some thoughts of his own. He or she had some thoughts of their own. And so scribbled under what I had just read to you, uh, the last line of that was, so prepare for death and follow me, scribbled under that, This unknown passerby said, to follow you, I am not content until I know which way you went. (laughs) 
And the way we go in the life to come is determined here. Where we live hereafter is determined here. Now, heaven awaits those who have admitted their sinfulness and received as a free gift God's forgiveness and salvation. Salvation is a free gift. No question about that. The Bible is very clear about that. But it is also equally clear that uh, the rewards in the life that is to come are determined by faithfulness here. Now, please don't be confused with that. I believe two facts together here. Salvation is a free gift of the grace of God. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ, acknowledge that you are a sinner, and ask for His forgiveness, and He will save you by His grace. No works involved. By grace and by grace alone that people come to faith in Jesus Christ. But in heaven, our inheritance will be determined based on the faithfulness in this present life. My message this morning is obviously directed to the subject of heaven. To begin with, I'd like to suggest several reasons why thinking about heaven is important. First of all, thinking about heaven gives us a perspective. We've heard an awful lot these past few days and are going to be hearing more and more about an eclipse. So we're going to think about the sun and the moon taking a bite out of the sun, all that. We're going to be thinking about the sun. So it occurred to me to suggest to you that visualize, if we can, a tape extending from the earth to the sun. Our stay on this earth would represent no more than a hairline on that tape. No more than that. Even with three score and ten, if you visualize a tape from earth to the sun, as lengthy as that would be, to think about our life, would be like holding a hair on that line. That's it. And then, of course, that's only talking about from the earth to the sun. Eternity is far greater than that. No comparison. Eternity is far greater than whatever the distance would measure from earth to the sun. That should give us, thinking about eternity... Thinking about heaven, that should give us some degree of perspective. Second, thinking about heaven is important because we must use our time and our resources to lay up treasures in heaven for us. You know what the Bible teaches us. Our treasures in heaven are there where moth and rust do not corrupt, where thieves cannot break through and steal. Everyone wants to make wise investments. Everyone. There's no exception to that. We want to make wise investments. Again, I want to say that the best investments are those that are absolutely safe and permanent. Again, 
Entrance into heaven is a free gift. I want to stress that. Entrance into heaven is a free gift. But inheritance will be determined by faithfulness. So we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. They are secure. They'll be there. Third, thinking about heaven takes the sting out of death. Now, if you've lost a loved one, you know that. Thinking about heaven, thinking about where our loved one is today. We miss them, yes. But thinking about heaven takes the sting out of death. A dying old saint, dear old lady, full of years, said to her children, Don't give me any further treatment. Don't interfere with God's plan of glorification for me. That lady had a grip on life and on life that is to come. Don't interfere with God's plan of glorification for me. Knowing something about heaven takes the sting out of death. Now, what I want us to think about this morning are five particulars. Five new relationships that we will experience in the life that is to come. Five things. I'll mention them and then we'll look at them. A new body, a new home, a new occupation, a new family, and a completely new order. So think with me, please. Heaven and five new relationships that we will have in heaven. First of all, a new body. I don't suppose there's ever been an individual who's ever lived who at some time or another hadn't been embarrassed by the body that we have. Young people are often embarrassed by their complexion. Women speak of having a bad hair day. But that's nothing. Men can't speak of a bad hair day because theirs is just gone. Natural teeth are replaced by dentures, implants, whatever they call them today. Dr. Honeycutt, you'll have to help us with that. Pounds show up in all the wrong places, don't they? They do. Eyes require glasses or contacts, other ministries to the eye. Ears often need aid. I know that my wife is absolutely certain beyond any measure that I do because she says, you don't hear half of what I tell you. She's just not too sure whether or not that's selective. She's got a good idea, though. But all these are minor things. The body does embarrass us. All of us at some time or another. But these are minor compared to the ravages of accidents disease, and so on. But hear me well. In heaven, we will have a new body. Amen? In heaven, we will have a new body. The Apostle Paul uh, referred to it this way. Speaking of the body, he said, It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
Our future body will be like Christ's resurrection body. Have you spent much time thinking about that? If you read the Gospels with that thought in mind, our future resurrection body will be like Christ's resurrection body. Now, we do need to be careful about this. Uh, Observe, first of all, there will be some, according to the Bible, there will be some continuity between the earthly body and the heavenly body. The two items I'm thinking of in particular, after Christ was raised from the dead, the nail prints were still visible in his hands. Continuity between the natural body, the Lord had before his death, burial, resurrection, and the body that he had after. You could still see the nail prints. Second, after his resurrection, he ate fish with his disciples by the seashore. So there is a continuity. I do not know how far to press that, okay? And the reason I only mention those two things is because we can see those in the life of Christ. There was that continuity, those two continuities in particular, between the natural body, the resurrection body. But there are some radical changes. Jesus was able to travel from place to place without physical effort. He went through doors without them being opened. Evidently, we too will be able to travel effortlessly, free from the limitations of earthly travel. We can also expect enhanced mental powers. The Bible says, for now we see in a glass, in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. And then the apostle says, now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I also have been fully known. Enhanced mental powers. Are you bothered by not being able to remember? Have you come to that place in life where you're not bothered by Failing memory. I used to know everybody in my circle. And now if I'm describing somebody that I know very well, I might see them more than once a day. But sometimes I end up saying, well, you know, what's his name? You bother with that? Going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And then going through that list. I hope you read the words to that again uh, there in your worship folder this morning. There will be no more failing memories. But as we think of having new bodies, this brings up some questions. And again, I bring up the questions, but I don't have all the answers. Okay? One question. What about infants who've died? What about infants who've died? Based on biblical examples, we believe that infants and children who die before they reach, reach the age, what uh, has been called by many the age of accountability, they will go to heaven to be with the Lord. Question, though, further question is if an infant, when an infant goes to heaven, will that infant always be an infant? Will a baby always be a baby in heaven?
I find no certain concrete biblical answers with any, time, any kind of certainty on the pages of Scripture. Dr. McGee, whom I loved, has offered an interesting suggestion that God will resurrect infants as they are. <clears throat> that mother's arms, he says, who have ached for them will have the opportunity of holding uh, that little one. That a father who never had the opportunity of holding that little hand will be given that privilege. I come back and say God has not given us all the details, but of this we can be confident. A child in heaven will be complete. A child in heaven will be complete. Either the child will look as he would have looked had he lived and grown up fully, or else his mental and physical capabilities will be enhanced to give him full status among the redeemed. Listen to me, dear people. We raise questions. I raise questions. I have that I don't have full, complete answers that I can show you from the Scriptures. But get this down. Heaven is not a place for second-class citizens. There will be no second-class citizens in heaven. None. All handicaps are removed. Heaven is a place of perfection. One day we shall experience a new resurrection body. And then we will be perfect. And we'll be able to use our bodies and our minds to serve the Lord and to express to Him our eternal adoration. So we'll have a new body. And I've only scratched the surface with it, but that's the first of the five things I want to mention. The second thing I want to mention is a new home. A new home. A glorified body can live very comfortably in this world. I say that because Jesus did. He lived quite comfortably here on this earth. But God has prepared a new home for the redeemed. The Bible speaks about many dwelling places. You're familiar with John 14. In my father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. There'll be plenty of room for all the redeemed in heaven. Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. The city that's spoken of in the book of Revelation comes out of heaven because it's part of the heavenly realm. But I want to consider just a few of the features of this new home. And this is where I ask you to, to look with me at your Bible in particular. Revelation twenty-one sixteen. 21.16 of Revelation. <clears throat> amazing, amazing verse of Scripture. 21.16 Revelation. A city is laid out, and the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with a rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and width 
and height are equal. Now, some folks with a math and physics background have wrestled with that verse of Scripture. A suggestion is made, heaven will be composed of, based on this verse of Scripture, heaven will be composed of 396,000 stories at 20 feet per story. Each having an area as big as one half the size of the United States. There's going to be plenty of room, folks. There's plenty of room. But you need not fear of being lost in the crowd either. You see, the majority of the world's population will likely not be there. The majority of the world's population will likely not be there. Jesus said heaven was a special place for a special people. And then, too, each person will receive individualized attention. The Good Shepherd calls each one of his lambs by name. What a, what a testimonial to the fact this is God we're speaking about. I know folks who can't remember their grandkids' names. The Good Shepherd calls each one of his sheep by their name. The Good Shepherd has prepared a special place for each one of his lambs. He has prepared a special crown that won't fit anyone else. No one else can wear it. He has prepared a special dwelling place that no one else can enter. What about, what about the materials of this new home? The details are recorded for us, but they can hardly be even imagined. Revelation chapter 21, last part of verse 10, and all of verse 11. Revelation 21, last part of verse 10 and verse 11. Last part of verse 10, uh, he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Now, would you notice, having the glory of God, her brilliance was like the very costly stone, as a stone of, clear, of crystal clear jasper. Then would you notice the foundation stones, verse 14. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Drop down to verse 19. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was of jasper, and then he goes through the list. Sapphire, Chalcedony, Emerald, Sardinex, Sardius, Chrysolite, Beryl, Topaz, Chrysophrase. The 11th was Hyacinth and the 12th Amethyst. Hard to imagine, isn't it? So we'll have a new body. We'll have a new home. Third, we'll have a new occupation. It's been estimated that there are at least 40,000 different occupations in the U.S. of A., 40,000 occupations. Yet for all of that, only a small, very small percentage of the population is completely satisfied with their responsibilities at work. Personnel problems, salary disputes, wearisome hours, 
and so on. Few people out of 40,000 different occupations, few people are satisfied. But in heaven, these problems will all be left behind us. If that's the case, what in the world are we going to do in heaven? You know, we talk about eternity. Heaven's forever. Well, they're not going to be 40,000 occupations. They're like they are here. What are we going to do in heaven? The Bible gives us two, and they're very clear, two activities in heaven. One is worship. I love to say part of what we do at church is worship. And if you don't like worship, you need to change something because you're going to have it the rest of you for all eternity. Reading the Bible, singing hymns. I don't know what all of it's going to be, but it's going to be worship. Revelation chapter 4, verse 4. Around the throne were 24, uh, 20, around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones, I saw 24 elders, and the elders represent the church, sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. You know, crowns. What are the saints going to do with their crowns? I want you to see this. Look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 10. Revelation 4, verse 10. Still speaking about the elders now, and that represents the church. Chapter 4 of Revelation, verse 10. And the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne. That is our God. And will worship him who lives forever and ever. And notice this. Will cast their crowns before his throne, saying, Worthy art thou. Going to have crowns. And the New Testament gives us five particular crowns that are mentioned there. I'll not go through them right now. But the New Testament gives us five particular crowns. But we're not going to keep those crowns. We're not going to be walking up and down the streets of glory saying, I got five crowns. You only have three. What are we going to do with the crowns? Put them before Jesus' feet. An act of worship. Also, in this worship, there will be uninhibited joy. Chapter 19 of Revelation. Chapter 19 of Revelation, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> Nineteen five, And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you His bondservants. That's us, folks. You who fear Him, the great and the small. And verse 6 speaks about the great multitude. The voice of the great multitude is the sound of many waters. As the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Worship, uninhibited joy, and service. Second thing is service. Worship and service. Chapter 22, verse 3b. Chapter 22, verse 3b. Well, the first part of the verses says, There be no longer any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall what? Shall serve him. Worship and service. In heaven, everyone will be happy, joyful, Fulfilled 
and there will be worship. Don't think, uh, you know, I'm afraid sometimes the Lord's people have an idea about heaven that when we get to heaven, all we're going to do is sit on a cloud somewhere and strum a harp. Nothing could be further from the truth. Worship, service, keynotes for heaven. Heaven will not be filled with boredom and inactivity. Number four, a new body, a new home, a new occupation. Number four, a new family. The question is often asked, will family relationships as they are on earth exist in heaven? And I think that's a reasonable question. The Sadducees came to Jesus with that question. Now, if you will, for just a moment or two, turn back with me to Matthew's gospel, please. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22 verse 23 Matthew 22 and verse 23 on the same day some Sadducees Sadducees who said there's no resurrection came to him and questioned him they were trying to trap the Lord Jesus Sadducees that's, that's what they were trying to do verse 24 tells us what they said teacher Moses said if a man dies having no children his brother as next of kin shall marry his wife and raise up an offspring to his brother. Now, there were, here's where they thought, we've got him now. We've got Jesus trapped now. Verse 25. Now there were seven brothers with us. The first married and died, having no offspring left. Uh, his wife, he left his wife to his brother. Also, the second and the third, down to the seventh. And last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven shall she be? For they all had her. Now, Jesus replies, and he didn't stutter, and he didn't wait. He replied, verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not understanding the Scripture or the power of God. Now, here's key verse, verse 30. For in the resurrection, all right? For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels. Verse 30 seems to be a very clear indication that in heaven, the marriage relationship does not exist. Now, you read verse 30, okay? They're not given in marriage. However, That doesn't mean that we are in heaven not male and female. It doesn't mean that at all. In heaven, your mother will still be known as your mother. Same with your father. So Jesus is simply in Matthew 22 telling the Sadducees that in heaven there will be no marriage. There will be no babies born in heaven. Just like the angels are not reproduced by procreation. So the sexual relationship will no longer be part of the divine order. Now, before you say, Pastor, I don't understand that, or that, that, that doesn't seem whatever, copacetic or whatever you want to put to it, just go back and read verse 30. And let the words of the Word of God say what they say. Don't say, I don't understand that, but that can't be. 
That's what Jesus said would take place in the resurrection. Jesus is simply telling the Sadducees that in heaven there will be no marriage. In heaven there will be no babies born. Just as the angels are not reproduced by procreation, so sexual relationship will not be part of the divine order. Our Lord taught that. But the closeness we enjoy with our families will be present and expanded exponentially. I won't ask you to turn there. I've got it written out here. Let me read it for us. Remember in Mark chapter 3, the multitude were sitting around him. They were sitting around Jesus and said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus answered. You remember it, don't you? Answering them, Jesus said, Who are my brother and my brothers? And looking about on those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Think of the implication. We will be as close to Christ as we are with anybody in our family. That's mind-boggling to me. We're going to be as close to our Savior as we are anybody in our family. In heaven, there will be an extended family. And it will have a greater closeness than we have to any member of our present family. What a thought. We have a new body, a new home, a new occupation, a new family, and number five, a new order. A new order. There are some things that will not be in heaven. They will, that they're not there will not subtract anything from heaven. The things absent only add to heaven's blessedness. The Bible says there'll be no more sea. Now, in the Bible, the word sea stands for the nations of the world. In heaven, no more sea means no more strife, no more wars, no more broken treaties. None of the things that we see today will be in heaven. No more sea stands for the nations. Second, no more death. The day is coming when the hearse has made its last journey. No more. Be no funeral services in heaven. Be no tombstones in heaven. No rooms lined with coffins for surviving members of the family to select from. No tearful goodbyes. No more sorrow. Can you imagine that? No more sorrow. No more crying. No one can calculate the number of tears shed every single moment in this world filled with hurt. In heaven, in heaven, he who wiped away our sins will wipe away our tears. No more pain. Walk with me sometime up and down a hospital corridor. And the blessing of no more pain will take on added meaning to you. I will assure you of that. 
in heaven, pain will be banished, be gone forever. Pain is not in heaven's vocabulary. There'll be no more sun or moon. Why? Because those planets created by God will have outlived their usefulness. God himself will be the light of heaven. No, no more abominations. Nothing unclean. No one who practices abomination. No lying in heaven. There'll be no more hunger. There'll be no more thirst. There'll be no more heat. In their place will be the tree of life and the beauty of the paradise of God. There's a, a, a song, it's not quite as popular today as it was once, <clears throat> but it says, just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Just think of clasping a hand and finding it God's. Of breathing new air and finding it celestial. And the last part of it, and waking up in glory and finding it home. A little girl was once asked, because there was a cemetery <clears throat> between her, her uh, home and her school. And she walked to school and walked home. <clears throat> Someone once asked a little girl, aren't you afraid of walking through the cemetery? Her reply, no, because my home is on the other side. My friend, heaven is one of two destinations on the other side of the cemetery. Heaven is home. For those who are born again, for all who have trusted Jesus personally. Question <clears throat> Is heaven your home? Pray with me. Our Father, give us faith to believe. The promises that we have spoken about give us faith to believe that though we don't understand all of the, the, the details about the New Jerusalem, to take by faith that which the Word of God teaches, that, what it plain, that which it plainly says to us, give us faith. And because of that faith, increase our hope. And I pray, our Father, if there's one within the sound of my voice this morning who's not yet settled the issue of where's my home, that they'll do that today. We haven't the guarantee of the next breath. We look healthy and hearty as we look around this morning, but none of us have a, have, have a guarantee of living long enough to walk outside this building. We take so much for granted. <clears throat> I'll do it tomorrow. I, Pastor, I'll think about it tomorrow. May the Spirit of God bring an end to that kind of thinking for that one who doesn't yet know for sure that heaven is his home or her home. I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to their hearts and may they make that right. 
today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and the question is still unsettled in your heart or your mind about, is heaven my home? I'll be here at the front, and if I can help you, if I can answer any questions, uh, please come by. God bless you. There are answers for your questions in the Word of God. You can trust Him. You can settle the issue before you leave here. If He's not, if heaven's not your home, give me a moment with you. Mark Massingale is our deacon of the day. Mark comes to dismiss us. I trust that you will spend a moment or two before you leave this morning greeting one another. There's somebody, and I don't know who it is, there's somebody that needs to hear from you, not somebody else, not the person beside of you, but there's somebody that needs to hear from you a word of encouragement. Don't be in such a hurry to leave. Somebody needs you. Now, I'm going to remain here at the front. Um, I will miss greeting you as you leave, but I feel like I need to be here. So, God bless you. You greet one another as you leave today. Mark, pray for us, would you please? Pray with me, please. Father, we... um... First of all, lift up those that we list that need renewing and healing, um, both physically and emotionally, from loss. We also look for forward to a day and a time when everything is new. No expiration dates, no obsolescence, no wearing out. Everything is complete. Uh, we know that that's in your power and that's our vision, as Ross told us. Our home is on the other side. We lift up the mission today, Hand of Hope, that ministers to young ladies and their newborns. Uh, it's something new to look at a circumstance, to support them through, to see what is on the other side and what can be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.